Hello. Hello. Industry. Industry. Greetings from New Orleans. This is Friendly Rich, and thank you for tuning in to the Industry Tactics podcast. Delighted to be with you, and thank you to those who came out to our first string of shows at the Happy Land Theater. And go to FriendlyRich.com. We're there again this weekend on the 28th and the 29th with Michael Ward Bergaman and a bunch of um, New Orleanian weirdos uh, that are coming together uh, for this special residency. I'm doing bringing my new album to life, Man Out of Time. So on the podcast today, episode 165, we go down memory lane over 20 years ago. Um, I somehow fluked on... uh, on a gig as a runner at at uh, Metalwork Studios, and got to collaborate with uh, with Sum Forty One as their runner uh, on the All Killer No Filler record. You'll see on a six point font in the bottom corner of that record, Friendly Rich. Uh, and so we reminisce about everybody from Jerry Finn to uh, all the great members of that band. Get into it. This is my discussion with the the bass player from Sum Forty One. Cone McCaslin. Enjoy. Well, you gotta love this. I I think I've seen you once since 2001. <laughs> uh, and it was at the Cameron House. Welcome ah. to the... Well, I I got that memory cone. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to Industry Tactics, Cone McCaslin. What a thrill! <laughs> Thanks for having me. Oh my God, honored. Um, no, how you doing? Uh, you know, I'm just uh, pretty good. Father, yeah. as we were just talking about before, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Are you are you a dad? No. Okay, so you don't know what I'm talking about. I don't. I have no idea what you're talking about. What are you doing? You're putting kids to bed. You take kids and you throw them in their bed. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a. It's like an alley oop. Yeah, that's it. You, just chuck you, you them. have you have two children. I have two crazy kids. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's talk about them. Well, oh, what age? Oh, we got a uh, four and eight. Um, oh wow wow so you're in this eight-year-old eight-year-old dude okay um uh, you know it's 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 every day is a mystery yeah 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 and where where are you right now where like where where's home for you i i'm back in the durham region like we grew up in ajax right uh, i remember that we know yeah Yeah. um and so i moved down i lived downtown for about 22 years and then you know my mom and my wife's parents still live in ajax so we, yeah. we we moved closer back to home now because i'm starting to travel again after you know, the pandemic it was mm-hmm. great for my wife because she was like fuck you're home all the time yeah you can help me and yeah. then now i'm starting to tour again a lot yeah. so yeah. she wants help yeah. and okay you know, it's, it's understandable so okay Durham region yeah that's cool man so like ajax ajax proper or uh, it- no, I'm, in, I'm in pickering pickering ontario i thought you mentioned that earlier that's awesome man um there's something special about that too, I think. Just like that, you've got roots there, and you st- your your folks are still there. That's that's great. Um, 
Has it changed much since you you left? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, when you know when we grew up in Ajax, um, well, you know Ajax and Pickering are basically the same to me. Um, but we grew yeah. up in Ajax as as teenagers in the nineties. Um, there was no movie theater. There was no movie theater even. Um, yeah. There was nothing to do. There was I think the population was maybe forty thousand, thirty five thousand. 35,000, 40,000 people. Um, yeah. Now it's over 100,000 people. Yeah, wow. So, you know, it's it's, wow. it's it's bigger. There's more going on. Yeah. Um, it's changed quite a bit since I've yeah. been, you know, I don't love Ajax, to, to be honest. Like, that's why yeah. I didn't want to move back to Ajax because it makes me feel weird. Okay. <laughs> you know? yeah, I don't I know where you. where you grew up, but like, when you go back to your yeah. hometown, you see yeah. the same places, Yeah. Uh, you know, the same streets, the same yeah. houses that you kind of used to see yeah. when you were growing up. I, it makes me feel weird. So I, I, was, yeah, I, I, hear I you. didn't want to move right to Ajax. I want to move one city okay. over. Um, okay. Then, yeah. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, and I, I definitely relate to that. Like for me, it was, it was Brampton and my folks are still there in Brampton and I get you, man. It feels, it does feel weird. You kind of, it puts you in that mood of like, oh, okay, Sonny's is still there. Let's go. Let's. You want to go to Sonny's? Do your parents still live in the same house? No, no, they moved from the house that we grew up in, but which is good. But like, it's still, yeah, it's like a weird trip every time you go, and it ain't the same as when you were obviously like twenty, yeah. thirty years ago. Is like. A lot has changed, and uh, it's weird. It, it is a it is weird, but it, it it's also charming that you're in that close by, close enough by. So, um, what was that like growing up in Ajax, though? Like, did it it kind of obviously formed who you are? Um, so it's got to be a little bit of love hate, right? Or not even yeah. hate. Hate's a strong word, but I, I think I think the, the the fact that there was really nothing going on kind of uh, contributed to. There you go the bands that we made, you know, you know, um, I was in a, I was in a different band. We all kind of were in different bands. Like I was like kind of in a grunge band. Dave was yeah. in like a metal band. Derek yeah. and Steve were in like a band. And, and I think that that was the whole thing about Ajax was there was really nothing to do. Like I said, there was no movie theater even. Um, yeah. there, was no, there was no downtown. Um, yeah. there's there really nothing to do. So all we did was we, we got together because like, we all were friends in high school but with different bands so we we basically formed these like little underground uh basement shows yeah which, which my drummer at the time matt was hosting his last name was brand so we called it branorama uh, <laughs> and so yeah. we would we would play these little basement shows because there was yeah. no there's no venues either there's no, no there's nothing so right. we were saying, well we have to play in people's basements um and so oh, we cool. played in people's basements we, we picked people's basements to play in basically every month, every wow. two weeks. Wow. Um, so yeah, I think, I think it shaped um, like the drive for a band because yeah. there, was, um, there was nothing else to do. So we we're like, well, we, we, we love playing music and we want to play music and yeah. just we'll play at any opportunity we can. So we'll play in this guy's basement. We'll play in, we'll play in this field. We'll play, you know, any, any little club in Oshawa or whatever. Yeah. You know? yeah. So yeah, I think, I think having, um, I always see these bands that are coming out of these small, small towns, like population 5,000. And yeah. they're sometimes they're like the greatest bands. And I, I can see yeah. why, because there's nothing yeah. else to do. Right, so all right. we do is sit in the basement and play yeah. all day, all yeah. night long. And yeah. our, our singer, our singer never liked to play live. He just wanted to smoke weed mm -hmm. and uh, drink beer mm -hmm. and, and mm -hmm. practice in the basement. Mm -hmm. And I think that maybe in hindsight helped, you know, because we were just practicing a lot. Right. Right. Well, it's so cool looking back at those early scenes, DIY to the core, and you had to just kind of create 
the the reality you had to make it otherwise no one else was going to i it, it led me to thinking up the the slogan and you just kind of alluded to it in a lot of ways of like one can either produce or become produce that that line that's my line man yeah. and that that is like born from the suburbs because basically like i think you can relate to this it's like if you didn't create that reality for yourself no one else was going to so you had to kind of make shit or you were going to become a vegetable basically yeah you know you know and if, if we had grown up in downtown toronto i think it would have been different because there was yeah. there was yeah. there was more places to play there was more bands around yeah i think growing up in ajax there was like you know there was a handful of bands it was bands but like yeah. i said like, we basically knew every band so right. we basically, we right. played with all the bands and um i don't know it was it was a, that thing of just uh yeah like you say like trying to i think the, the mentality became how do we get out of this town right <laughs> you know? we didn't want Fair to stay in jacks forever you know you know yeah. it's like how do, yeah. you know the first show in downtown toronto was like oh yeah. my god yeah yeah everyone's yeah. playing in downtown yeah. toronto that, yeah, man. that was insane. that's a moment yeah yeah crazy. yeah well what a trajectory i mean i just want to i want to get into it with you and i'm so stoked because like by the time you I came across your world, it was it was already like a fully formed uh, ball of fire when you were making all killer no filler at that time at Metalworks. And how did you become? I don't know the the kind of um, so from playing those basement shows, creating your own scene. How did you get discovered? I'm not familiar with that that moment. Was it a moment? Was it like a a Hollywood or an Ajax moment, like when when like someone was like, "Holy shit, this band needs to be on a bigger stage." Uh, yeah, kind of actually, and yeah. it was before I was in the band. Um, uh, Derek and Steve had met Greg Nori from Trouble Charger, right? At, at a, I think I don't know where it was. It, it might have been Toronto. I, okay. Maybe he was playing in in Oshawa or something. Yeah. But you know, he for some odd reason Derek had hung around after Trouble Charger played. And Greg okay. came out to like the bar and the club and okay. took out a drink. And Derek just like kind of handed them like every other time the right. band wanted, right. handed right. a demo. Right. And just had said, Hey, here we're in a band. We're called some right. 41. And we're gonna we're, they were playing at the before my time, they were playing at the opera house in a couple of weeks. And he said, okay. Hey, we're gonna show at the opera house, okay, blah, 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 opening for something, or it was a battle of bands or something. And for some odd reason, Greg yeah. went to the show like okay some odd reason yes yeah, hungry reason. ears yeah 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 you know, like you know yeah. uh, you know i'm sure there's a lot of bands in the world that gets demo that get demos yeah. all the time they don't go to the shows right it's like right. oh yeah thanks. Right. you listen to the demo yeah great right. you're not gonna actually make your way to the show greg for some reason went to the show like the band yeah and uh then when i had joined you know a year later or whatever greg was already kind of involved um, and so was Marcus Danzo from Len. Um, okay, right, um, right. So they were kind of like, kind of helping Derek and Steve and what was some yeah. 41 at the time in okay. high school. Like I remember okay. this happening. Wow. We went to Exeter High School and okay. I remember this all happening in grade 11 or 10. That's insane. You know, like you got this, because to me, Trouble Charger, they're on the radio. They had videos right. on my music. Right. Um, so I was like, oh my God, some 41 has Greg Norrie and blah, blah, yeah. blah. Um, yeah. So when I joined, it was like, it was in, and it was in motion. And uh, how did you get the call? You knew those guys, you knew those guys. 
yeah. So we went to high school together. So what That's had happened, it. they did some kind of little East Coast tour in, Mar- okay. in the Maritimes and they got into a, a, a van accident. Okay. They got T-boned or something. Okay. And wow. their bass player at the time, Rich, was Rich, uh, yeah, was driving. <laughs> yeah, it hurt. That was a painful accident. <laughs> And, the one uh, that got away. Oh, that's that's in, this is interesting. This is interesting. Okay, is he okay? I I don't hate to joke about that. They were all okay. But okay, I good, good, good. Him up, and I think he was kind of on his way out anyway. Okay, he okay. wasn't loving it. And band dynamics, eh? It's real. It's real. It is. And um, I, what had happened was they had a bunch of shows booked, and we yeah. knew each other very well because we went to the same high school. We were just yeah. hanging out together anyway. Yeah. Um, and they said, "Hey, we got some shows coming up. Would you just fill in?" Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I'll fill in. And and then, you know, a couple of rehearsals went by and I was like, ah, oh, fuck, I really like this. And the thing, the thing about awesome. it was, awesome. like I said, my singer of the band I was in hated yeah. playing live. He was just right. like, let's just, let's just smoke some. So you didn't get food. a taste of it. Yeah. You were getting a taste of something else, but you're not getting a taste of live performance. Yeah. So when we started playing live, I was like, fuck, I really like this. Great. And I like I liked the vibe of the band. It's really fun. And yeah. then eventually I just, you know, early 99, I was like, you know, I, they said you should just join. I was like, yeah, I'll join the band. I told I was in that was my first band. I just like you know they were my best friends too, and I was just like, I gotta leave you guys. <laughs> okay. okay, wow, wow, it's a turning point for me. Wow, yeah. it's funny how it goes, eh? Like, I mean, you did the right. I think you did the right thing, Cone. I think you did. So, um, you still in touch with those guys? That's a that's a question. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, like I said, we live. In, I live in Pickering, and my the singer of the band, Ryan. He was my neighbor when I was growing up. He just lives like four minutes down the road. That's now. charming. And, and the drummer of that band, Matt, who I was talking about, Brand Branorama. Yeah, yes. He drummed uh, on the first two records for Avril. Fuck! Oh wow! So, but he wow. lives in he lives in Whippy now. He doesn't drum for okay. Avril anymore. But yeah, so wow. Avril's drummer. I get a real vibe of like a scene out there. Like I mean. Kind of, I mean, Brampton, Mississauga, they all have their own, but like you definitely helped define what is that vibe and that scene out there at that time for sure. Like it's, it's, it's really, it's fascinating, right? Like just to look back on it, like all these years later and go like, that meant something, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I think, you know, at the time we didn't, we were looking up to other bands. We were looking up to bands that became, that came before us. Like bands that no one had ever heard about, like Self Serve, Five Knuckle Chuckle. Right. Hey, I've interviewed Corey on this podcast. Yeah, there that's you go. Amazing. So, like, that's amazing. Yeah, these are bands that like we saw in Ajax and Oshawa and Whippy that were older than us. But you gotta love this. We weren't even ever like thinking like, oh, we're defining a scene or we're we're creating something for someone. Yeah. I thought those bands were doing that for us. There you go, and they were, and they were. That's really yeah. impressive to hear that. Like. And I love connecting those dots. So thank you. I'm uh, that wasn't on my bingo card. Thank you for mentioning Corey McCallum, Five Knuckle Chuckle. Shout out to them. They're, they're just putting out a new recording. Uh, so that's very exciting. Yeah, nice. Awesome. Um, so so you get you get in it, and that ball of fire enters Metalworks, and that's when I collide with you, a, a lowly runner washing toilets for Ann Murray. Um, and, and I, I remember just being like blown away. I mean, a lot of people would love to be a fly on the wall for the making of that record. And I kind of was because I, when I wasn't going out buying you guys porno magazines or whatever the fuck mission you, you had me on, 
I, I got to be a fly on the wall watching you lay down your tracks, watching uh, Jerry Finn and Joe in action doing their thing. I have like fond, fond, fond memories of all of you guys. Um, and, and, and you were young, right? Like you were pretty, I mean, were, were you, were you at a high school then? I, I can't, I have no idea what age was back then, but yeah, yeah. We were barely legal to drink. We were, when we recorded that record, we were 20. Jesus, eh? So we were just out of yeah. high school. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and like the late, great Jerry Finn. Um, yeah. Goddamn. Like, I, if he was still alive today, he'd still be making like dynamite records. Um, yeah. He, he basically shaped what our band became. Um, yeah, yeah. Even to this day, like I, I'm in my studio right now. I can't yeah. show you, but I have yeah. gear that Jerry had. No kidding. To, on those sessions because they were so good. Like I have his evil twin bass DI. That I had to go find, and they only made eight hundred of them. Eight hundred, really, really. And I had to find Derek Scott two of them, and I got one. Wow. So he kind of and Derek Scott amps that he still had and guitars that he had. Really, yeah, um, I saw that that they auctioned off all of that gear. Um, yeah, man. If you don't mind getting into it a little bit on, on his influence, on I know you produce a lot of work too, right? Like you've yeah. you've done a bunch of that as part of your practice. I mean. What did, what did someone like Jerry Finn leave behind on you? Like, what? how did he, how does his legacy kind of live through you now? I, I, I'll t uh, what I would say about Jerry is beyond being um, an exceptional ear for mm -hmm. um, music, like tones and stuff, and he had a lot of great gear. The one thing that I took away from those sessions, because since that, we've done a lot of records, obviously. Sure. Worked with some other producers, is the atmosphere he created in the studio was so fun. And that, it, it was, of, yes. we didn't realize it at the time. Like, sure, we, man. Like, we were just like, this guy created a vibe of like fun every day. And, you know, you go into sessions um, with other producers and it's just mm -hmm. like work. Let's just, let's get yeah. it done. Work on yeah. this, work on that. And you get it done. You get it done. It's good. Maybe it's good. Maybe it's bad. Jerry right. created an atmosphere where every day was just like, we were dying laughing like he introduced yeah. us to mr show and tenacious d which he wasn't a thing at the time no um, man i remember I mean, that canada, anyway not canada yes no so we were watching these shows and he was yeah. always cracking jokes and yeah. he wasn't like yeah even like coming down on us like he would he would let us record come in yeah and he would listen to it and say ah oh, that could be better or that's great move on yeah and we would just do our thing and he created a vibe that's that's what i kind of took away from jerry was he created a vibe in the studio and that's the biggest thing um i took away from it is like he couldn't even fucking play an instrument he could not right i didn't realize that i didn't realize that did not like pick up a guitar and say no play it like this yet he, he basically helped shape like that sound between like notably between you guys and blink 182 like that became a bit of a yeah, I mean, he moved, he moved the meter and then some, right? And you're part of it. You're in that. Like I, it's so special when you look back on it. And I just, I, I, I yeah, I, you can't help but reflect on, 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 on that moment. I don't know. I just, yeah, it, it's, it, it, I've been wanting to talk to you and Dave and others in the band, like about, about it just because 
it left a mark on me and here i was just buying porn watching maybe maybe using the porn in the corner i don't know what the fuck i was doing in that room but i honestly man i was honored and thankful to be there and witness it you know well the thing the thing was with you was uh that was the first time we'd ever have had a runner yeah so like at yeah. 20 years old yeah. what do you what do you make your runner do well buy porn you have to go buy porn that's all i remember and, yeah. a thing, and, a, and, a, and a thing of Vaseline at the same store. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> like, it has to be the same thing. We want the receipt. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's funny because, like, um, I, I was just reminiscing about this with my wife. It's like, I think I bought drugs, not for you guys, but I think I bought drugs for other bands. And I was like, shit, man, that was a, those were fun times, eh? Like, just silly. But you got to kind of see the music industry, and that's what this podcast is. It's industry tactics. It's like all these years later you guys that's a that's a big record for you guys i think that puts you definitely more than on the map i think that blew you up right like it definitely got things it cooking it changed our lives yeah and I think there you the, go. the other thing with jerry was that you're talking about like buying drugs and stuff we partied a lot with jerry that was i remember day. those days started at two three in the afternoon man they did not start at 8 a.m that's for sure yeah <laughs> Yeah, now it's like people yeah. like I, I when I produce bands like can we start at ten? I'm like, yeah, we can start at ten, and we're done by seven. But those days it was like start at two. Yeah, and, I don't know midnight, and then it's, Jerry yeah. Jerry lived because he was up from L.A., so he lived at the Sutton House Sutton yeah. place. Yeah, it, it was on um, Young Street, and it or just in front of Young Street. So his his, his hotel backed onto um, uh, that strip club uh, Brass Rail. Yeah. So yes. Always, that was always like, okay, go from metalworks to brass rail. It was pretty <laughs> much pretty much nightly. And so wow. It was, it was so the the atmosphere from the studio was yeah. fun yeah. always carried over to after as well. Yeah. I have yeah. so many stories about like <laughs> we have some great stories about Jerry like where yeah. we stayed as uh like his apartment in Toronto and we were doing mushrooms and yeah. He'd, he'd kick us out and, and we 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 put his couch onto the balcony and threw the legs off and damn, um, he got damn. mad at us a couple of times. And, but he was like, you know, at that time, it's, it's, it's weird to think because we were 20, but he was probably 27, 28. <laughs> so he yeah. wasn't that old, you know? He's right. Like, right. Okay. But I, I, I definitely got the vibe that he was kind of the father figure in those, but you're right. He's not, the, he's like father figure. He's barely brotherly at that point, but yes. Maybe, maybe he was 30. Or yeah, something. yeah. 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 No, he left a mark, man, and it's uh, it's really, you know, I, I don't know. Like, I, I did hear someone say at one point, they told me, like, a line that kind of stuck with me is, is you're on this planet, because he died very young, right? I, I would say, right? Like, 40? Did he make 40? Um, I'm not I'm not sure. sure. I have to, uh, yeah, I think maybe 40, maybe 30. Yeah, not, not. pretty young, and... and you're on this planet to do what you got to do. And, and he certainly is a, a, not to say that he wouldn't be still killing it in music and, and making his mark, but uh, he certainly had a, a, a big influence on, on many of us. And, and that sound, those sounds in terms of producers, I don't think he gets talked about enough, you know? No, I think, you know, like even people like always uh, associate him with blank, but yeah. He also did, and now come the wolves by rancid. Crazy, crazy. Right, right, right. Record. He also right. did a Pennywise record. He did a Marvelous Three record. Yeah. He did um, like so many. Wow. Great MXPX. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It didn't stop at like 
like it's always and he mixed dookie from green day right 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 so he's like he's like basically around pop culture in the 90s yeah. yeah that's really well put man thanks for that thanks for that that gives people an idea of the breadth of how he got cooking in it and you know you know what i i did a little bit digging on him and, and uh this really touched me is like at one point he's talking there's not a lot of interviews or uh, uh, there's not a lot of him online like it's fucked up but there was one moment where there's a video where he enters the studio and he's saying remember his line uh what's up rock stars you know like in your oh. case in your case he was right he was usually right but he started as a fucking runner he did in, and uh, I didn't know that until, you know, I started doing a little bit of deep diving on him of just going like, oh, shit, like what an interesting human that was that I, I crossed paths with. And it kind of it, it 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 rattled me a little bit, you know, not to say that I've gone on to, to mix Dookie, but I just it, it, I, I felt like he was really you guys all were and you didn't need to be. But you guys were all very warm and uh, and caring. Uh, and, you, and, you know, I, I like that. I really that stuck with me of like there was a hierarchy there, obviously. Like, what are we going to do? Get our runner to go buy porn. But you were all very loving and still are. Like, I ran into Dave. I run into Dave periodically on Queen Street, and he's just the same guy I remember from 20 years ago doing that session, right? Like, that's really nice to see after having seen all that you've done in your career. You know, you, uh, that's that's always impressive to me, right? The human touch. So. Yeah. Yeah, well, thanks. Uh, I mean, Dave is like probably the nicest guy in rock, <laughs> you know, like very uh, much in our band, but like in rock music. Yeah, yeah, that's he's, he's got a very warm heart. And yeah, yeah, like Jerry, you're right. Like Jerry did start as a runner, and I think it was <laughs> the Dookie thing. I think obviously put him on the map big yeah. time. Obviously, it yeah. sold I don't know, ten million My records. God, um, I think it was like a thing of like he was like an engineer, and then like Rob Cavallo who produced. Yeah. Um, green day record yeah had known him through something he had done and just like gave him the chance dookie was never um from what i had heard yeah that was supposed to be what it was like it was just like so cool they were on lookout records and they got signed to the major and they were just Mm. i think it was like i think the conversation with cavallo and green day was like if this thing sells like two hundred thousand records success it sold and then it blew up and sold 10 million i think it put Every uh, everyone who worked on that record put them on the map in a way. Yeah, Cavallo too. Yeah, uh, and and obviously Green Day went on to their amazing career and they're an amazing. Yeah, band. Um, yeah man. Yeah. You know, you're um. You, you've been at this for a while now. How do you? This industry, this this thing, like like you you've kind of you've seen it from a very interesting perspective. So those listening are going to want to know kind of like what how have you what is what has the journey been like for you like what do you what what are some of the takeaways at this point in your career looking on this weird thing the music industry the nicest guy in 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 the music you know you're you're kind of saying some of these things about your bandmates like what are what are the things that you've that stick with you that you've learned along the way over over all this time doing the sum 41 thing and other and more. Hold on, give me a second. <laughs> that's that's gonna take some. Yeah, ah, exactly. Okay. Wow. <laughs> take a breath. Take a breath, Rich. Um, yeah. Well, no, I, uh, I. I'll talk about like industry-wise. Yeah. It's different for us because 
we got signed to a major label off the hop and um yeah Def jam out of new york and that was when we were 19 years old um what i saw like what what i can take away from that was it was a very very great experience for us in the beginning and it's funny i've talked about this in other interviews mm-hmm. actually in the last couple of weeks mm-hmm. and um what what's funny because we were shitheads from ajax and we you know basically wreaked havoc around ajax and did our own thing yeah yeah and um went to you know basement parties like we talked about drank a lot um yeah, as a yeah. teenager, got introduced to drugs early but the record label um and everyone around us were really uh they wanted us to do that they were um interesting yeah they were pushing us they basically were um telling us to try and be like the pop punk motley crew I I I remember that man like that was in the water then like you someone was reading the book or there might have been the yeah exactly like it was you were being encouraged to be that to to throw a sofa off a balcony or whatnot yeah Yeah, exactly no and and we were doing it anyway but we couldn't pay for it because we had no money and so we would trash hotel rooms and we would trash our van or eventually our bus and we'd rip the ceiling off but then the bill would come be like oh fuck. How are we going to pay for this? We're still living with our parents. God damn. Um, and so, but, you know, eventually it became a thing where the record company was kind of like, well, you could do that and we'll pay for it. Mm. And as long as you get it on film, we could use it. Wow. So then it was open season. Then it was kind of like, wow, we can, we basically have a free pass to yeah. Yeah. fuck shit up everywhere. And we did. Um, you know, we, you know, obviously, you know, Derek became an alcoholic yeah. and just died. And that was like a precursor to that, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we all were into drugs and we were yeah. all drinking a lot all the time. And we were all trashing things with no conscience because mm-hmm. we thought, well, everyone around us is telling us we should do this and we could do this. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So that was mm-hmm. a thing back then. It was it was a real thing. And I look back on that now and I'm like, Jesus Christ, man, like, uh, yeah. To- to be the pop punk motley crew i mean yeah no one was doing heroin and no one you know we weren't motley crew but we yeah. we were uh we at, at some point or another one of us would have could have would have and right. could have died right um, right we were just out of control i think um yeah. and it, it was all from all levels like management to record label to agents everyone was encouraging us to 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 be this kind of band hmm. But at the same time, I won't say that we weren't having fun. Like we were okay. having the best and we loved yeah. it. Yeah. We thought this, yeah. this is fucking great. We're going to, yeah. we're, uh, we're, we're, we're going to do this. And we, we yeah. wanted to do it anyway. It yeah. was just outside adult because we weren't yeah. adults. I don't think <laughs> we, yeah, you're still adult. kind of forming your, we, we were 21, 22 your outlook. I still felt like we were teenagers, you know. I love um, this now, though. I love, I love this now. You got a bit of distance from it, yeah. And you're just like all this experience later. Like you're, you're right. Like it's, 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 fat- it's you know, like encouragement to do that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, most bands, most bands like Motley Crue. If you look at Motley Crue, they weren't encouraged to do that. In fact, they were probably not encouraged to do that. Yeah. And it's just that way. Um, we were actually encouraged to do it. Here's yeah, the that's 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 so that's so concerning in a lot of ways it's like wow when when you look at the industry you look at like the good bad and the ugly it's like that's like what what are we doing here okay cool 
I, I can maybe get behind this. I mean, I like the fact that you, you say it was fun and you probably don't regret a lick of it. No, no, there's nothing I did. Um, there's nothing that we did back then. Yeah. That was, there's no like me too movement shit that we ever did that. I'm yeah. like, Oh my God, we should really hide that under the rug. There's yeah. nothing that we did that was um, disrespectful to anyone right. except maybe a hotel room or a bus. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. 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 Um, like yeah. We were, wow. I, I, w- I always had a girlfriend. Dave and I always had girlfriends. Yeah. We're single, um, but they were always very respectful. We never, there was nothing ever underage, nothing ever wrong. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm very proud yeah. of our band that even before the Me Too movement, there was yeah. respect among our band. That's a, um, that's a very good, very good point. And I, I wasn't even thinking about that, but it's true, right? Like, you, And there you, was a lot of that going a on. Lot. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah, I you know I I I love it, man. I really appreciate your openness around talking about that. And like, okay, so you you how long you been in in Pickering? Was that a pandemic move? No, uh, I mean I actually moved to a different house in Toronto during the pandemic. Okay, and then we okay. So this is recent. Six months, yeah. Oh wow, man! Wow. Um, I'm just thinking like what I see in the band now like since the pandemic is kind let's knock on wood ended or whatever the fuck we're in um you seem back with a vengeance like we talked about band dynamics we we i and you you say it's ramping up and you've been doing a lot more touring um how's that been like it's just it's it's a fresh new lease on life it seems eh yeah i i i like it and and one big thing i like about it and mostly um Cause I've always been like, I, I love playing live and I like traveling. I like doing the whole thing. Yeah. Um, I really, I really love that Derek is sober and he's, he's the most driven now. And he, for the first time, probably in his life, he's wow. the most healthy in the band, <laughs> you know? Um, wow. you know, cause there was a point obviously yeah. like where he, yeah. it, it was bad and he yeah. died. And, um, yeah. so yeah. my biggest thing is right now he's very, very healthy. He's very, very happy. And he's very, wow. very driven. Um, nice to hear. Basically, as driven as he was before we were signed, because that's right. the I knew in high school. I was like wanting to be signed and wanting to get attention and wanting to yeah. write the best songs he could. And he's always wanted to write the best songs he could. But there became a point um, where you know the alcohol kind of took over, and he has his his chronic back issues, which didn't help mm-hmm. either, which caused the drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. I think right now. Um, as far as I know, he's in a re- very good place, and that makes me uh, feel really good about the band. Right uh, on. Yeah. Right on. Yeah, I mean, band dynamics, eh? Like, you've lived it, and it's uh, it's a really interesting thing. I've talked a lot about this on this podcast, is, like, I talk down on it. I talk down on the idea. It's not been my um, my path my path has always been like shape-shifting with different ensembles and obviously being loyal to as many humans as I possibly can along the way. Right. For, for the exist for how long we've known each other basically and, and longer. And you look at that and, and I go like, yeah, that for me, that's the benefit because like, I don't have to commit to this like band dynamic, which as you know, can be seriously tricky and challenging, but it's also got the most reward because it's that, long-term beautiful thing that's aging with time and these relationships are very special 
Um, you've it talked is. about Derek and Dave. Like it's, it, it is really impressive. I just got to say that's. Yeah, know. I think it is. It's hard actually, you know, because it's. Yeah. People say it's like, because they be, do, they do, you do become brothers. It's like, uh, and so mm -hmm. you fight like brothers and you argue like brothers and you don't talk for a week. And, mm -hmm. you know, um, Derek and I, there was a point, uh, we didn't talk for a year and a half. Um, oh, wow. And that, that was, that was difficult, you know, it was like yeah. a, a thing. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. I think things are good now and, but bands are tough. It's like being in a band, uh, you know, as long as we have, like, there's, there's always like when, when Dave or Derek walk into a room, the yeah. expression on their face, yeah. I know what they're thinking already. Yeah. I can tell. I don't even need That's to hear. Cool. That's cool. I mean, and Dave and Dave had like he he took a break from it and then came back with a vengeance too, right? I think like that that to me is also like really really beautiful and says a lot to me about what why you would do that, why you would come back to it because it plays that huge part in your life, I would think, right? Like not having spoken to him formally about that, but I just you've all kind of had your journeys with this band and you I mean you've been there, I think through thick and thin, right? Yeah, I mean I think Derek and I are the only ones that have played on every single somebody wow. record. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but, uh, Holy shit. There you you go. know, as to say, like I was I was not the original member. <laughs> but okay. uh You're still the was, new guy. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm still the new guy. I'm always the new guy. But I have played on every record. So yeah. to me I'm an original member. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think, you know, Dave leaving, that was a tough one because it was so for me i think it was uh on i i just i it came out of left field for me he just called me up one day after um mm. 2005 mm. 2004 and said i'm leaving van and i didn't really he didn't really explain too much he just wasn't into it anymore he didn't get yeah. into thick and thin and it, yeah. and it it took 10 years and he came back after 10 years and then you know then he kind of explained it to us why he had left um it's but, cool yeah. that you were there to say yeah come back like i mean it didn't have to go down that way either but it did because i think there's a mutual respect and probably a, a bond there and a love that i think lasts beyond you know what i mean like it's there's something special there that doesn't happen with all bands many bands as you know just can't even see each other without you know but you 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 all welcomed him back that's special well i think that has to do with like being high school friends you know like we've yeah, known sure. since we were 14 years old so it's more than the music it's just, yeah it's not it's not even music anymore it's just like yeah this nice is, this is my brother from high school yeah uh, 14 years old you know that's yeah, yeah it's been a long time the good thing you know the good and the bad of dave leaving was we also gained tom from gob right you know, tom from gob and this is this is a band that we loved in high school yeah we opened for at the Alma Combo before anyone knew who we were. So we gained Tom into the okay. band. We love Tom. I love Tom. Tom's like my uh, tour boyfriend. We do everything. That's, that's fun. <laughs> and, that's and fun. So when Dave came back, now it's like, wow, we have Tom and Dave now. It's even so, stronger. Yeah. 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 That's a rad, man. That's awesome to hear. Um, it is about people, though, right? Like all of this. Like, yeah. um, yeah, I just I I don't know. I have I have so many things I could ask you, and I, and I I are what do you still love after having done this for so long? What do you still love the most out of all of it—the touring, the recording, like all of it? What's your what's your what what do you preserve as like the reason why you got into this in the first place? You know, you know what it you know what it 
comes down to for me is live music. I think um, I just, uh, you know, making records is fine. And, you know, we've always done it. We've been in the studio and we've made records, but I think live music for me is the biggest thing. And um, mm -hmm. I think, the I think the appreciation now for me is that we're going to places all over the world. And um, wild. These, 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 like these people that, maybe weren't even born when the record came out or coming to the shows like that. Yeah. I, I was talking to a friend the other day and he was, he was saying, I went to your show in Toronto and there was like a, a, a 16 year old kid in the audience that was singing all your songs. And he goes, he wouldn't have been alive when your first record came out. I said, hell no, he wouldn't have been alive. No. Like, our first record came out 22 years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he was like, yeah, that's crazy. You're gaining, you have, like we're gaining these like kids that are yeah. dance somehow. I don't know. I guess it's from YouTube and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's, that's what I, that's, that's the excitement for me is like, I'm like, wow, these we're, we're, we're still getting new fans and we're yeah. over 40 years old. <laughs> yeah. It has like a, it, it's, it, 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 it has a, it, it has a, a life beyond in a way like it, continues to kind of develop and evolve i think right that's that is a special thing and that doesn't happen um i i, I think that's a that's a, a thing that that needs kind of preservation and that doesn't happen all the time right so it's it's beautiful to see and the number of people that are coming out to these shows is like remarkable are you seeing audiences grow in markets that you hadn't thought like it's like holy shit there's a whole world of some 41 fans here that we didn't even know about. Like, is that, is that happening a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. We're going to places that we'd been to before, but I think yeah. that for some odd reason, whatever the, the, the shows are getting big, I, it yeah. might be a nostalgia thing. I don't know. Yeah. Like, you'd probably agree. Like nostalgia is a big thing. Like everyone, yeah. when the classic bands come around, I'm saying we're like a classic band, but we're, I guess people call us now a heritage band. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I mean, you're not you're not playing, uh, and no offense to those who play it, but you're not playing uh, Casino Rama. You're still like, it ain't the nostalgia circuit, but it has a. I think these things go in cycles, and it there's a shift back to um, that right that moment. I think that moment is big, right? Um, it's wild, I, right? I think people that were into our band when they were teenagers, maybe 12, 13, 14 maybe there was somewhere along the way where they right. weren't into that sound anymore. Like they, yeah, yeah. You know, yes. Like, I don't know. Indie rock or whatever they got into. Yeah. And now they, now they're older and they come back around and been like, Oh yeah, I remember. Yeah. I love that stuff. Yeah. I want to go see that again. Yeah. And, and that's kind of what it is. You know, I'm kind of the same. Like, you know, I yeah. saw like, <laughs> cause I live in Pickering. I saw uh -huh. the Killjoys were playing in Oshawa. Oh, yeah. I haven't listened to the Killjoys yeah. since I was 15. But right. I saw they were coming to Oshawa. I was like, fuck, I, I'd go see that, actually. Yeah, yeah I remember good. those songs. And I remember yeah, yeah. Me Five, that record. Right, right. And I was like, I didn't, I, I couldn't go, but I wanted to go. And okay. I think that's what's happening. Yeah. Another thing that's happening, I think, in live music is um, people want to, because of the pandemic, mm -hmm. people want to maybe go out if they're going to go out and they're mm -hmm. going to be like, I'm going to actually leave my house now. Yeah. They want to go see a, something where they know more than one or two songs. Yeah. Yeah, they want to go gotta see be, nice yeah, songs yeah. that they know yeah. all night, not just yeah. like yeah. The band that has the one hit. Yeah, how um, have you how have you changed your the live show? Like, has it have you seen it? Do you feel like as a performer? Do you feel 
stronger now going out um doing what you do and how how has the live show kind of changed over the years um yeah i i mean i guess one thing is we've just gotten better like you know when what killer came out the one that you worked on um the problem with us at the time was we like i said we were 20 years old we weren't that good you know we we you know derek um wrote some catchy songs and we we recorded them really well with jerry Yeah. But live, we weren't that good. Like, okay. we were 20 fucking years old. Right, right, like, right, right. We didn't right. have life experience. We didn't have the chops. So I think now we can actually pull things off properly. And awesome. play well. Awesome. Uh, and we all practice a lot. And we all take pride in yeah. pulling off a good show and being able to play well now. That yeah. We, we couldn't do. And, and like, Isn't that fun. something, eh? Like, well, it was, it was, it was, I feel like it was, yes, it was super catchy. Um, you take it for granted in a way, right? Like it's just this thing that just popped, right? It was like, I, I, I think it's it's fascinating, but like, yeah, you're right. Like it was okay. We're throwing you into this thing, and and uh, tuning is optional. Like just like you know what I mean? It's just like, but now you're at it. You're back at it with like all this experience behind you. You've produced records. You know, you've done a lot more in, in your career. I love that. I love hearing that you're, you're at it from a different angle. And, um, and that shows, I really think that shows with the, uh, de- how deliberate you guys are right now in just in terms of like, I just see it, right. Is it you, not that you didn't mean it like right out of the gate, you, you did it in with serious intensity, but it's, it's different now. Yeah, it's definitely different now. And I think, you know, like the playing thing, you know, I, also, you know, back in those days of like, like I said, like not knowing and not being able to pull stuff off properly and stuff. That's all just like also the spirit of it, you know. Who fucking cares? Exactly. That wasn't the point. Yes. Of, uh, yes. Yes. Music like it doesn't have like sloppiness is kind of cool, and we're right. and to right. a point like we're kind of still here and there sloppy. Yeah. Um, it's it's more about the show rather than playing perfect. Yeah. We don't play perfect. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, but. Back then, it was. I think back then it was more about the party and the show second. <laughs> well, tell me this: like, after having played all these shows and seen so much, what? How do you know when it's a good show or a or a not so good show? Because they're all good shows, right? At the level that you're playing at, they're all good shows. But how do you know? How do you you know? I know you know when when one when when one's magical verses right so what is that what do you think that is you think it's the moon i think it's the fucking moon that's what i've equated it to like full moon half moon Uh, honest to god like why not a tomato will grow better under a certain moon why the fuck don't we play music as well yeah i honestly that's my i'm going with the moon yeah I, (laughs) (laughs) Um, i don't know you know i always feel like and i think a lot of bands might say the same is yeah. we play the same every night. <laughs> it's the crowd <laughs> that makes yeah. a good show. And yeah. we'll walk off stage, and honestly, yeah. we'll walk up and be like, eh, yeah. the crowd yeah. was kind of... Yeah. Or we'll walk yeah. up and like, holy fuck, that crowd was louder than yeah. we were. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I don't know. I, I don't want to put it on the crowds, but it's like, yeah. I think crowds and in, in the crowd interaction and the yeah. way they sing your songs back or not sing the songs back yeah. is a big thing for bands. Um, like we go out, we have our set list, we have the songs we're going to play. Okay. We sometimes we have pyro and all shit. So we yeah. go out and play 
Um, and so we'll walk off and we basically judge the crowd. <laughs> isn't that isn't that interesting, eh? Yeah, the band was pretty good. Yeah, exactly. But the crowd was better. Um, yes. Do do you um, do you have hope for the music industry in twenty twenty three? After it's it's certainly taken its punches, eh? Yeah, it's changed a lot. Like I, I, you know, there's so much stuff now. Now I saw today that um, you know, maybe there's a law being passed in the U.S. where TikTok was going to go away, or 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 there, there was Biden could uh, could make it go away. Okay. Um, which I we're not on TikTok, but I know TikTok's yeah. a big thing. Um, yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's like you know, I, I have no idea. I, I uh, sp- since we've come out, YouTube has come out. Spotify has come out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Napster was there and gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's been so much change and mm-hmm. so much evolution with the music industry since we've come out that yeah. Yeah. we're just trying to catch up. You know, um, I don't know. Like, like I say, like we're not on TikTok, but maybe we should be. I don't know. Yeah. Like it's kind of like the big thing now. People have yeah. TikTok hits. Yeah. I guess I guess it's up. What what our band is basically we we just make the music and we hope that the people around us like our management and whatever label we're on mm-hmm. guide us in the thing of like okay you should be on this you should be on tiktok we'll we'll, we'll put your songs here we'll put your songs there we don't give a shit we just want to make music and play live okay you guys, you guys take the music i was, I was gonna ask you that it, do you care i know at one point you would have cared i i, I kind of saw it in the way that you guys rolled that I I didn't have as much at that time, or maybe now even, but I I saw it and I I admire it because I I think we're being false if we think otherwise. I think do you do you care as much that how how important is the connection with people through all this? Like you, with that first record and since you it popped and reached a lot of ears yeah. is that is is that an important piece of all of your music career for you like how how important was that for you connecting with an audience yeah i think so yeah like uh you know uh even the the concept of you know making it big like i think this this is in your world you've done it you know i i how important is that in in your career as a musician in the music business? You know, I, I think in the I think in the very very early days we didn't think that we could connect with a large large audience. Yeah, uh, yeah. We never really thought about it. We ne- that was never really like a thing. But I think as time went on and All Killer came out and we did, um, I think anyone in this band would be lying not to say like we want to reach as many people as possible. Um, yeah. But we want to have, okay. we still have a lot of integrity. Well, yeah. Um, I like, don't think the two are necessarily, yeah, exactly. Exactly. You could have both, right? Like I, you know, someone asked me about the other day, they said, um, uh, what does selling out mean to you? And I, and I have a very uh, easy, um, I have an easy answer for that. And selling mm-hmm. out to me is uh, doing something you don't want to do for money only. Like that's, that's to me that there you're you selling out. You're selling out if you're doing something just because you want to make money. Right. And our right. band has never done that. We've always done something we've wanted to do, whether mm-hmm. it's been on the Spider-Man soundtrack. We wanted right. to do that. We didn't do that because they didn't even fucking pay us. I don't, I don't, even, I don't remember <laughs> seeing a check from Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like yeah. But it was, it was a great, there was a big movie. We're like, yeah, we're right. Gonna be a, got Carrie King from Slayer on the song. So like, 
I, I'm proud to say, like, in my yeah. uh, estimation, we've never – people call some 41 sellouts, 100% pe- mm. people have through our career. I know that we've never sold out. We've wanted, we wanted to sign to Island Records, and we yeah. wanted to yeah. do this. We want to do that. Um, so, yeah, I think um, – you know, we we've been true to ourselves the whole the whole our whole career. And it's it's interesting. I think the longer that you persist on the path that you're on, the longer anyone spewing that statement just they're in the rearview mirror, like basically, right? On that statement, like it's you think what you want, you're entitled to it, but you know, most, you're pr- yeah. Most of the people that say that kind of stuff are like you know sitting at the dive bar, right? Right. Exactly, exactly. Tweeting, tweeting out uh, hate. Right, all right. The, all the bands that are kind of came up in our scene, we all yeah. talk a lot. Like, yeah, I, man, I'm those bands, and we're all still like friends, and we still talk about. That's awesome. Like, everyone's still doing their thing, and that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, where, where, where do you go from here? <laughs> we're literally. I, I, I fly to uh, Asia on uh, Wednesday. All right, all right. That wasn't the answer I was looking for. Let, let me ask the question better. Where do you go from here, artistically or as a as a human? Uh, but no, as a human, next week you go to uh, where? I go, I, well, I fly from here to Indonesia. Far out, far out. So the touring continues, eh? Like it's yeah, it's two weeks in Asia. Okay, okay, and then back. Like like uh, you're you're are you are you are you designing that differently, Cone? Because of obviously your, your situation as a uh, Papa cone. No, we, we'll still, we'll still do long tours. Um, okay. I think the thing with Asia is just like, there's, you just kind of, we go over there and we'll play, I don't know, six, seven shows and that's all you can do. And you've come yeah. back. Yeah. Um, we do Australia in December. Normally you kind of do Australia and Asia at the same time. Yeah. You're over there, but um, we're just doing two weeks in Asia. Okay. Fun. You can Fun, man. What what do the kids think of of what you do? Well, I, I'm actually funny enough. I'm going into uh, my daughter's junior kindergarten class tomorrow. I'm playing kid songs for them on guitar. God damn, that's charming. That's amazing. <laughs> so, that's amazing. So punk rock, you know. It's like... well, you know, another great bassist, uh, Jim Cregan from the Bare Naked Ladies. Yeah. He would give back to the school that I work at um, and, and was so generous uh, at the Regent Park School of Music. He did a lot of, so you got it in you, I think. And that's how he learned that part of community and connection and what he can give. And I see that you're so generous with, you know, causes that you've, you've been philanthropic in your, in your career. And that really means a lot too, I think, to, to many people. Um so keep that up. I really applaud that and admire it. You know, it's those little things that you can do that, that, that change people, you know? I think, I think, um, I think bands should, like, I think actors should, I think, um, sure. if you have sure. a platform and you believe in something that I don't, I don't think you should not, you know, it's like, you know, you have, you have everyone, you know, especially when you have a larger audience and I'm saying yeah. we, we don't have a massive audience, but we have an, enough of an audience that if you say something, people might pay attention um it's important that's what we've done yeah yeah man well i appreciate you i really appreciate you coming on and uh, i just wish you nothing but continued success in the work that you do i really really admire it and uh i thank you for for making time today it's it means a lot to me oh thanks for having me it's it's great to talk to you again it's been it's been a long time
It had been 23 years. I remember years. those days. I remember those all killer days. I remember you being around yeah, and man. helping yeah. us out. So it's great to see you. Right on, brother. Take care. Okay, you too. Cheers. Woo. Thank you, Cone, for making time for the podcast. Really nice to reconnect with you. And uh, to learn more about what I'm up to, live dates and such, go to friendlyrich.com. want to thank our friends at CFRU for supporting the podcast out in Guelph. And uh, if you're listening out there in Guelph, whew, what, a, what a fine city that you're living in. Live, We're uh, live every Friday night from 10 till midnight on CFRU. So that's a special thing as well. Take care, everybody. We'll see you again soon on Industry Tactics. Bye for now.